is a battle going on today for the heart and soul of America, and the right side must win. It's time for America Can We Talk with Debbie George Addis. On America Can We Talk, we talk truth about America and why it matters to you. America Can We Talk starts now. And good evening and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm so very happy you've tuned in tonight. This is Debbie George Addis. Welcome to my show and to tonight's First Five. There was a story this week. I actually did not see it published many places, and I think it is a fabulous story to bring about the conversation I always want to talk about on my radio show, which is, what does it mean to stand up and speak up for America? What does America stand for? But the particular story is, there was a young man who has graduated from one of the United States military academies, West Point. He is Second Lieutenant Spencer Rapone, R-A-P-O-N-E. And the U.S. Senator from Florida, the Republican Senator, Marco Rubio, has sent a letter to the um, acting director of the, excuse me, acting director of the Army asking, uh, named, um, asking U.S. Army Secretary Ryan McCarthy, asking that this young man, Spencer Rapone, be, um, first of all, removed from the military. Second, that he be required to repay the taxpayers all of the money that the taxpayers spent educating him. And if you did not know this, young men or women who attend our military academies do not pay for tuition. You, the taxpayers, pay for this tuition. So uh, Marco Rubio is demanding that this, number one, the Army pursue all um, possible uh, disciplinary actions against him, removing from under the military uniform code of military justice, asking he pay back in full the cost of his education, consider revoking his decree, his decree, excuse me, his decree, degree, and removing him from the military. And so, what could this young man have done that got Marco Rubio so upset? Well, here's what he's done, and I would. This is just a great opportunity to talk about. The idea of America. This young man, Spencer Rapone, has posted pictures of himself on social media. One was in his military uniform with his hat, holding his hat in his arm. And he has put a a sign inside the hat that says, Communist will win. He has posted himself in his military uniform, opening up his shirt to reveal his undershirt, which features Che Guevara, which uh, I'm assume that you all know this, but Che Guevara was a, a you know Marxist um, you know leader in South America who advocated communism and believed the poor people of Latin America would be made would be saved by communism. Really, just ask Venezuela about that. Third, he has posted a selfie of himself holding up the book, The Communist Manifesto. He has gone all over social media, essentially describing himself, describing himself as kind of a community organizer. He is a, um, he's a vulgarly derided the Secretary of Defense. He's advocated for communism while in uniform and for political violence in America in general and expressed support and sympathy for enemies of the United States. Okay, so this is, gets me to my question why this is such a great story to talk about tonight. Are we at the place in America that we can all still agree that this young man not only should, be not, should not be in the U.S. military, but he actually should face some consequence for indulging in this political activism? Or to get more to the point, can we all agree as America that communism and socialism are simply inconsistent with the idea of America? And the answer is 
Yes, those two things are completely inconsistent. Communism and socialism are inconsistent with the idea of America, the idea of a country founded on individual liberty and personal responsibility, that you have rights from God, that you have the right to live out your life in freedom. Socialism and communism are all about collectivism, crushing the individual's freedom, crushing that person's right to pursue his or her dreams. Communism and socialism are utterly at their core, completely antithetical to the idea of America. But the question at this phase in our you know, political development in our country, we had the most recent election cycle on the Democrat side, an avowed socialist. Now, Bernie Sanders always is quick to qualify that he's a democratic socialist, like he doesn't really want to have... You know, the um, he wants a, a popularly elected people to impose socialism on on their fellow citizens. But this is a really, you know, we in our country, we knew for decades and decades that communism and socialism at their core were evil. We all knew it. We all knew that we did not want that we had to fight those forces in the world, whether you agree or disagree with our, our action, actions in Vietnam and that war. We were trying to stop the spread of communism. We actually fought the Cold War, which wasn't a fight as much as a, it wasn't a military fight, but it was a huge fight on behalf of the free world standing up against expansionist Russia, expansionist communism. We knew it to be an evil. Are we at the place in 2017 that we cannot yet figure out whether or not socialism and communism are inconsistent with America? Because I'll tell you what, these people, everyone in the military takes a vow to defend the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And if this young man cannot figure out that communism... Communism is an idea that is an enemy. He has the duty in the military to defend America against the evil, the enemy of communism. Now, free speech, yes. Right to believe whatever you want politically, sure. If you're in the private sector and you want to be a communist goofball, go right ahead. You want to wear a Che Guevara t-shirt at the mall? Lots of long-haired goofballs do. But the seriousness of the military, the obligation of the military to defend this country must mean that you and this young man understands specifically what America is and what it stands for, which is in part liberty and is not is not permissible. It's not workable to mix American style liberty with communism. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. Don't go away. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. 
The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties, and in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony List, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Can you hear us now? And welcome back to America Can We Talk. My first five tonight, it's kind of my opening segment every week, my first five, I talked about this gentleman who's a second lieutenant uh, in our military, uh, in the U.S. Army, named Spencer Rapone, and he is a young man who finished the West Point Academy, has actually served, I meant to mention, has served in Afghanistan came back he got some uh, badge of uh, recognition for having served and he's back in america and he's still in the military and senator mark rubio marco rubio of florida has advocated that the army needs to uh, remove him uh, decommission him make him pay for his uh, the payback america for having paid for his tuition um, based on his advocacy his open assertive advocacy about communism and i want to say a couple more things about that before i turn to the uh, next thing i want to talk about tonight Just stop and think. If your parents, grandfathers, great-grandfathers 
You know, the notion that America knew for decades that communism was the absolute, utter opposite of the idea of freedom on which Western civilization and most certainly America is based. All of our people knew this, have known this for decades. But how did this guy get through not just the elementary school? Think what it says about his elementary school, his high school, and then his time at West Point. Did anyone in any of those arenas talk to him about the idea of freedom, about the idea of what America was founded on, about the notion that communism is utterly an affront to freedom? You simply cannot have American-style liberty and communism. You have to choose. And this idea, this guy not only apparently got through all those years of education, including an education and graduation from West Point, and either did not ever learn the evils of communism, or worse, he knows what America says about communism, and he knows it's antithetical to America, but he'd rather have the submission, the evil, the misery created by communism. Because he was not timid. This is not a guy who hid his agenda and whispered to his secret communist buddies under, you know, in a cloak of darkness. This is a guy putting stuff on Facebook and Twitter, putting out pictures of himself holding the Communist Manifesto. Clearly either no clue on the planet that his actions were inconsistent with the idea of America or really kind of stick putting his chin out, you know, leading with his chin saying, yeah, come on, take me on. I, I want communism. I support that. Apparently not fearful about being removed from the military. Apparently not fearful about any consequence. And again, think of the oath that he took. He, he, he made an oath when he joined the military, as they all do, to defend the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. He never learned that communism and, frankly, socialism, which is his kissing cousin, that those two things are simply enemies of the idea of America. They are a domestic enemy. The ideas underlying communism and socialism are domestic enemies of the idea of America, certainly domestic enemies of the Constitution. But this never occurred to him. And then it all kind of ties back to something we try to talk about in this show a lot. But, you know, when there was uh, during the campaign last year in 2016, there was a lot of talk about what it means to be patriotic and a lot of complaints by the American left about some of the themes of President Donald Trump's campaign, where he was very assertively talking about America first and defending America, making America great again. And there was a lot of intellectual poo-pooing from the, you know, the ruling class and the elites and the media and elites in the Democrat Party just saying this was just, you know, kind of knuckle-dragging ignorance that you can't, you can't say that, you can't say there's anything special about America. Well, that concept that you can't say there's anything special about America contributes to how this guy thinks about America. We have allowed into our political conversation the moral equivalency, the moral equivalency of the idea of America, the idea of freedom, of a society based on freedom, and said, yeah, that, you know, just like the left is endlessly telling us, you know, there's just different ideas. Some countries have socialism and some have communism and some have freedom. Hey, it's all the same. Whatever people want, you know, they're all the same. We have lost that notion in our educational system, our political conversation, that it's actually okay to call some things un-American. It's actually okay to say America's based on liberty. 
And if you don't like liberty, then you don't really, you know, your political ideas don't belong in this system. Now, again, I recognize we have freedom of speech. Everyone in this country can advocate for all sorts of ideas. We protect their right to say ideas, even that we despise. But you don't have that right in the military. When you are asking, our, you are, you're serving our country, you are defending our country, and you're asking our taxpayers to pay for your education, to pay your salary while you're in the military, so you can go around and trash the basic ideas of America. So I don't know how much attention this case will get. I, I actually meant to mention to you the Army's response was such a non-response. They're going to look into it. But the Army's response to this uh, inquiry by Marco Rubio, we had a statement from the um, West Point Military Academy said, Rapone's actions in no way reflect the values of the U.S. Military Academy or the U.S. Army. So, okay, so that's kind of the denouncement that, you know, news networks will say, you know, the following show is no representation of what we really think. And the same thing, actually, very similar idea. A U.S. Army spokesperson, Valerie Mangello, told American Military News, by the way, every single article that you hear me talk about on this show, every week is posted at our website, americacanwetalk.org. It's on our Facebook page, America Can We Talk. Love to hear from you. Love dialogue about the ideas of America. Anyway, back to the Army spokesperson who said, um, while the Department of Defense and Army encourage soldiers to participate in the democratic process, the Army does have strict rules regarding the wear and appearance of Army uniforms. So if all they can come up with is that this guy miss you know miss war his uniform because he had communists will win on his hat his military uh cap and he had a che guevara shirt underneath his military uniform i hope they can do better than that i hope they can we are at a place in fact it'd be a great political conversation to have at the national level can we all agree that you can't have someone serving in the military who thinks this way about america i certainly hope that we have that moral fiber left we have that strength left to do that well there were a couple of stories I wanted to get to, um, and I will. We have a guest coming up at 6.30, Frank Gaffney, and I'll tell you about him a little bit more about him right before. But he's a national military, a national national security expert, um, testifies in Congress and all over the country, and is a, a leader in the national security movement. The only thing I want to tease you with, and hope I get back to it later in the show, I always run out of time, but I want to tease you with something very interesting. So the uh, special counsel, Mueller, Um, is still investigating whether or not Donald Trump or someone on the Trump team had some involvement in the uh, supposedly helping Russia uh, engage in some way hacking into the American election, in in some way that the collusion, which isn't a crime by itself, but collusion by Trump or some of his team with Russians to, um, you know, get in the middle of the American election, sway the outcome. I want to remind you that after all this time, in fact, the House, I think it was the House... um, committee this past week announced um, the, the Senate Intelligence Committee has now verified what everyone knew nine months ago. Russia worked to sow chaos during the 2016 elections. No vote totals were affected and no evidence has emerged that Donald Trump was in cahoots with Moscow. I want to get more if I can later in the show back the dossier thing, but I want to just float this one idea by you and have you think about this. So Mueller's been looking into this. You know, he's got like 16 Hillary Clinton bootlicker attorneys. I'm not kidding. All the attorneys that Mueller hires to look into this uh, allegation that Donald Trump, you know, somehow swayed the election, which he's emerged with exactly zero evidence, as is the, the Senate committee is now saying that everyone who's commented on there's no evidence of trump having any involvement maybe russia did something but not trump 
Okay, so Dana Rohrabacher, who is a Republican congressman from California, he said this week in the media that that he knows that he has seen evidence that could disprove that the Russia-Trump collusion accusations, it could disprove the Russia-Trump collusion accusations once and for all, but he's having a hard time getting that message to the president. Now, I'm going to remind you of something. All of this collusion talk had in part to do with whoever hacked into the server of the Democrat National Committee and released all of those emails. They didn't concoct or create emails. They just released emails that Hillary Clinton and others on the Democrat National Committee had put out. And those emails made Hillary and her team look like the scoundrels that they are, scoundrels that they are. They didn't like it very much. So the question has become, you know, who is it? Who did that? Who gave away the DNC emails to WikiLeaks? And then Julia Assange, who runs WikiLeaks, put all those emails out there. Well, Rohrabacher is saying that he's seen evidence that Trump had, there's absolutely no involvement of Trump in this Russia collusion thing. And then Julian Assange, the, the WikiLeaks guy, said this week that he will provide evidence that the Russian narrative is false in exchange for a pardon. Assange is saying, look, I'm the ones that got the emails from the DNC. I know who gave them to me. I can tell you who gave them to me. I can show you who gave them to me. But so far, the Trump team is not taking him up on this. The Trump team is not taking up Julian Assange in finding out what it is he knows, because clearly he knows who gave him those emails. And the truth is, if it's not Trump or anyone on the Trump team, this kind of dissolves the entire investigation by the um, Mueller team. Okay, before we go to a break, we'll go off in just 10 seconds here. I want to thank GC Works, which is a Dallas-based company that performs research in advanced technology and delivers innovative approaches to the oil and gas industry. They're the sponsor of America Can We Talk. I'm so grateful for them. And come back. We'll talk to Frank Gaffney. Our nation faces a choice. The path of big government based out of Washington or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in Texas. For 27 years, the Texas Public Policy Foundation has helped leaders in the Lone Star State prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all. The Texas Public Policy Foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country based on liberty, free enterprise, and personal responsibility. Whether informing the national debate on property rights energy, taxes, education, or criminal justice, the foundation works to translate ideas into real change. The Texas Public Policy Foundation does not accept government funds or contributions to influence the outcome of its research. It is supported by thousands of people like you who are concerned about the future of our country. You can help Texas remain strong as the beacon of liberty in America. Visit TexasPolicy.com to learn more. If you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, go to IWF.org. That's the Independent Women's Forum. IWF is all about increasing the number of American women who value free markets and personal liberty. IWF's motto is all issues are women's issues. They bring a fact-based approach to politics, policy, and culture. When the left tried to peddle a phony war on women, IWF shot back with facts and figures. American women aren't victims in need of ever-increasing government protection. And IWF doesn't think things are perfect, but they believe that individual liberty is the key to prosperity and fulfillment. Along with their sister organization, Independent Women's Voice, IWVoice.org, which is a leader in the fight against Obamacare, 
They offer policy papers, op-eds, and a popular blog on issues of the day. So visit IWF at IWF.org. That's IWF.org. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. There's a lot of talk today among media, in academia, in our culture, about everything that is supposedly wrong with America. Political correctness tries to dictate that we must stop thinking that America is exceptional. America's bravest have our back in the air, at sea, and on land. But who has America's back in the culture? In schools, on cable television, in newspapers, it's time to end the greatest prejudice on earth, anti-Americanism. And who makes the case for America? Flag does. Flag is the foundation for liberty and American greatness. Flag has America's back on the cultural battlefield. Flag is a nonprofit battle tank working to change the cultural and media narrative about America. If you think it's time to stand up for America, join the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. Your support of Flag is an investment in the America your children will inherit. Visit their website at flagusa.org and consider donating. All donations are 100% tax deductible. That's flagusa.org. And welcome back to American Family Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. As I mentioned before our break, we have one of the nation's just uh, leaders in national security, an expert in national security. Uh, joining us this hour, Frank Gaffney. He is the founder, president, and CEO of the Center for Security Policy. He served in the Reagan administration as the assistant secretary of defense for international security. And if I read you everything he's done, then we wouldn't have time to talk to him. So I believe we have Frank on the line. Hello. Hello, Debbie. So glad you could join me tonight, Frank. And you know what? I want to, um, I guess, uh, I just want to jump right in. First of all, I'm just grateful for everything you do in speaking up for America and um, and defending America in sometimes ways that cause people who um, are politically correct not to like the things you say. And so I just, um, and you just tenaciously go forward. So I appreciate that. So first thing is, we have H.R. McMaster, who uh, has had a, um, troubled or controversial tenure so far as our national security advisor, as President Donald Trump's national security advisor. You've spoken out several times um, is arguing that perhaps he isn't the best choice, that, that he uh, should perhaps move on. And so I'd love to have you tell our listeners why you think that. Debbie, first of all, thank you for having me on. As always, it's a pleasure, and, and I cannot tell you how much I appreciate the work you do. Um, to expose uh, your audience and, and countless others to the work of, well, people like us, but also, um, you know, the, the key issues of our time. And I think that H.R. McMaster's um, 
activities and um, serious uh, insubordination to this president um, is, is one of those issues that requires close attention um, and, and correction by the president, by the way. Um, insubordination, as just one example, when he arrived in the National Security Council, literally the first meeting he had with his staff, he announced that he did not agree with the use of the term radical Islamic terrorism. Now, as you know, Debbie, and I'm sure your audience does, uh, that was a term that the president personally and repeatedly emphasized was needed to describe the enemy we're facing. And he used it uh, quite con consciously and deliberately to differentiate himself from those, well, like McMaster, for example, who refused to recognize uh, what are fundamental characteristics of the principal threat we're facing at the moment, which I believe is is uh, is emanating from uh, Sharia supremacism. It's manifesting itself as, uh, as terrorism, radical Islamic terrorism, uh, to be sure. But it also, as we've talked about many times, um, also is evident in something that is not violent, um, that is not, strictly speaking, terrorism at the moment, but that is conducing to it, and that is the so-called civilization jihad of one of the most dangerous of the Sharia supremacist groups in the world, the Muslim Brotherhood. H.R. Uh, McMaster seems to be clueless about these threats, and I think that is a disqualifying uh, quality uh, in a man serving as the national security advisor to the president at such a moment. Um, he has also exercised and uh, displayed very bad judgment on a whole host of topics um, at the moment, and I know we'll talk more about this shortly, but the Iran so-called deal, I, I think of it as the Obama bomb deal, <laughs> but call it what you will, this is a, this is a classic example of where uh, McMaster is promoting, as are others in the cabinet, to be fair, um, a course of action that at best is a completely addled splitting of the baby, a Solomonic uh, splitting of the baby, if you will, between those who say we ought to stay in the deal as is and those of us who say, no, we really have to get out of it, um, by saying, well, it's not in the national interest, but we're going to stay in it anyway. Now, that doesn't make any sense at all, in my judgment, and I think is um, the kind of bad judgment that the president's been getting on Afghanistan, on Syria, on Russia, on China, uh, and so much more. And this is what is fundamentally of concern. The guy is not with the president on uh, the sorts of things he ran on as, uh, as a candidate and the kinds of things that need to be done for our national security. And finally, H.R. McMaster, Debbie, has been um, making egregiously bad policy judgments, yes, but also personnel decisions. And as you know, uh, our, my old boss, Ronald Reagan, used to say, personnel is policy. Yep. Get the wrong people in, you get the wrong policies, H.R. McMaster, again, being a case in point. But get this. Um, there are estimated to be something on the order of 50, maybe 55 key positions in the National Security Council. It's about 200 all told, but about 50, 55 of them are really policy-making or policy-influential positions. Under H.R. McMaster, at last count, 44 of those 50, let's say 55 positions were held by people who were put in 
place by the Obama administration, either at the NSC itself or, or elsewhere in the government. In other words, under McMaster, the NSC looks a lot like Obama's third term, which is not what President Trump campaigned to bring us, needless to say. Um, I'm going to give you three examples of cases in point of, of particularly troubling people, to my way of thinking. Uh, one is a fellow by the name of Ilber Bajraktari. Could you say that again? Say that name again. Il, Ilber, Y-L-B-E-R, Bajraktari. Uh, he worked in the uh, Obama Defense Department, um, and he's held a couple of other positions uh, with um, groups like, I think, the U.S. Institute of Peace. But basically, he's a he's a, an immigrant, a refugee, who arrived here, I, I think, 10, maybe 15 years ago from Kosovo. Now, I don't know, Debbie, but my guess is there are people who have more experience and better skill sets, better qualifications to be in charge of defense programs in the National Security Council. And then there's his brother, a fellow who goes by the nickname of Ely Bajraktari, who is the gatekeeper for H.R. McMaster's personal office. A similar background, needless to say, both at the Defense Department under Ash Carter and um, in the U.S. Institute of Peace and and elsewhere. And then there's a personal favorite of mine, Mustafa Javed Ali, who is in charge – are you sitting down? Of counterterrorism policy at the National Security Council staff. Now, again, I I don't know any of these three people, and I personally have no hard feelings against them as individuals, but I am worried that I don't think those are the best people based on their backgrounds, based on uh, their ties to, among others, um, organizations that seem to have a certain affinity for Sharia supremacism, uh, by the way to be in those key positions, yet that's what H.R. McMaster uh, thinks are are the best people to be in those positions. So, again, for all these reasons, it seems to me it's high time that President Trump act on a recommendation that I think he's had from a number of people who he trusts uh, to remove H.R. McMaster uh, as soon as possible. If you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Frank Gaffney tonight. That was just, I was trying to take notes. I can't, even I could not write as fast as you're talking. Frank Gaffney, who is the founder, president, CEO of the Center for Security Policy and a truly uh, preeminent expert in national security. And I'm so grateful to have him on the show tonight talking with us. You know, I do wonder, uh, you talk about the holdovers from the Obama era in the national security uh, positions that you're describing. And really, it was so central to President Trump's campaign, his presidential campaign, to say we're taking a different course with respect to the threat of radical Islam. We're going to identify it as a, as a danger. We're going to, um, you know, change the way we do refugee policy because we're, we're going to recognize that people may come here and intend to harm us, even though they're just claiming to come as refugees. We're going to protect uh, Americans. And so it was, you know, and I think a lot of people assume that that would carry over into how we staffed as certainly senior positions, because you compare what Trump was saying with what President Obama, you know, all eight years was very friendly to Islam, was denying that the uh, Sharia supremacism even exists like as a concept, denying that the, the threat really went to the Western world 
uh, was serious from radical Islam. He tried to reduce the uh, the um, claim. All, every time there was a terrorist attack, they were always extremists. And so I really, you know, I'm, I'm troubled. I know I'm getting to where we have to go to a break. We have actually we have about one minute, um, but I do want to ask you, Frank Gaffney, do you just think that President Trump is not? tuned in enough to understand who these people are or is he just is the reason to keep McMaster because he has a little bit of kind of um, cold not cold feet but just he's had too many too much tumult in his presidency and he doesn't want to want to have yet another big media kerfuffle well I'm told uh, the Wall Street Journal had a report yesterday Debbie that said that uh, General John Kelly who is of course the White House Chief of Staff um, feels that um, it would undo all of the efforts that he's been making to stabilize uh, the White House if uh, people like McMaster were to be fired. I'm sorry. I don't think that's a good enough reason. Couldn't, <laughs> couldn't agree more. I, I okay. We're undermining gonna, the president. We're going to zip off to a break. Frank, you can hold on during the break. Sure. Okay, thanks. Folks, come right back to America. Can we talk? And Frank Gaffney, you don't want to miss the rest of this interview. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Texans have a long tradition of independence, and we don't like being told what to do, especially by liberal bureaucrats 1,000 miles away. That's why for 30 years, the Dallas-based Institute for Policy Innovation has fought Washington's efforts to take more of your money and freedom. IPI works every day to keep taxes low and freedom high, to promote free market health care, expand energy security, protect intellectual property, and combat onerous regulations that destroy American jobs. Politicians often talk smaller government, but then vote for more of it. By contrast, IPI has never veered from its mission to defend the Constitution and fight for freedom. If you want to be informed about free market policies and solutions, go to IPI's website and sign up. All of their information is free for sharing. Help IPI restore liberty and economic growth. Go to IPI.org today. That's IPI.org. One more time, go to IPI.org today. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. 
First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. We're going to go right back to our interview with Frank Gaffney, but I have a few quick commercial things to say. First, I meant to say at the start of the show, welcome to our new station, 960 The Patriot in Phoenix. So happy to be on air in Phoenix. Hello to everyone there. Love visiting you recently. I'm going to be out there again soon. Uh, so thank you so much, and we're great to have. I'm very happy to be on air in Phoenix. And soon, at the end of this month, we are going to be on air in Colorado Springs. So that's I think it's the last Sunday of October. We start there. Love having America Can We Talk grow. Okay, my last commercial word is my husband just texted me. I'm very sorry that the Dallas Cowboys lost. I know the entire city is going to be like cranky all day tomorrow. I am sorry. I guess it was a heartbreaker game, and and love the Cowboys, and sorry they lost. Okay, so now we are. Back to Frank Gaffney, and we've been talking about our national security. And I want to turn, if we can, and talk about there's been a lot of conversation about the Iran deal. And we had, I think, Frank, you've been on the show several times talking about the Iranian deal and, and why it wasn't a good deal. But right now we're in the situation where it is our the next um, step is whether or not America, President Trump, will certify the Iranian deal, which means certifying the Iranians are complying with the deal. So uh, there's been a lot of opinion out there about whether he should just go ahead and certify, even though they're not complying, decline to certify, but stay in the deal, just get out of the deal. I would love to have you with all of your background expertise. Tell us, what do you think you should do? Well, there there are two points uh, with respect to this certification, uh, as you know, Debbie. One is that uh, you have to, if you're the president, certify that Iran is complying with the deal. And notwithstanding the fact that the Secretary of Defense, um, one of the, uh, well, subordinates who I call the insubordinates, uh, (laughs) actually said to the Senate last week uh, that he thought that Iran was complying with the deal, Um, the International Atomic Energy Agency, the group that we contracted out verification of the deal, actually acknowledged that they were not being allowed to do the verification that they were supposed to be able to do under its terms. Uh, because the Iranians weren't letting them anywhere near facilities in which a lot of this nuclear work is almost certainly going on covertly and illegally. 
So never mind that you are being told that it uh, is the case they're still in compliance. Not so. And that's just one example. The other um, thing the president is supposed to certify, too, is that the deal is in our interests. And I think, Debbie, that's becoming impossible to say with a straight face. Um, the Iranians are making it absolutely clear not only that they are not giving up their nuclear ambitions, they are moving forward on a whole host of other activities that are deeply contrary to our national interests, uh, whether it's terrorism, whether it's uh, the, the efforts to um, uh, attain a kind of regional hegemony, uh, whether it's uh, the, uh, the pursuit of missiles with which ultimately they will be able to threaten us with their nuclear weapons. These are all the kinds of things that they were supposed to be moderating their behavior on. We were told by the Obama team it hasn't happened. In fact, it's getting worse. And to the point where, and I, I don't know if you've been tracking this, but uh, one of the things I'm particularly concerned about is Iran is moving into the vacuum that is being created by the defeat of the Islamic State in Syria. And they are moving inexorably in their own right uh, through their Syrian proxies, through their Hezbollah proxies, towards Israel. The Israelis have made it absolutely clear that is a red line. It could well precipitate uh, a major regional war, if not uh, one that goes far beyond. And that's the sort of thing that I think is evidence of why we cannot continue to pretend, really, that the Iranians um, deserve the kind of legitimacy that staying in this deal confers, um, that, that, that entitles and encourages others, including, uh, it must be said, some American companies, but also primarily European and Asian companies and governments, to seek to do business with and otherwise invest in and prop up the Iranian regime. Um, these are things that are not, absolutely not in our national security interests. And the idea that some have been brooding, including, I believe, H.R. McMaster, well, okay, Mr. President, if you don't want to certify this as uh, uh, a matter of compliance on the one hand and consistency with our national interests, fine, but we must stay in the deal. And I think that would be the height of folly. It's, in a way, the worst of both worlds. And I don't think that uh, the president, um, if he's got a lick of sense, is going to do that. But he is being encouraged, it appears, by all of his national security team to do just that at best, if, if not um, actually just to simply pretend that everything's well with the deal, which is, of course, not the case. So what do you think about the argument that I heard someone make last week that if America were to simply withdraw from the Iranian deal um, because of all the reasons you said, uh, which I, I completely agree with you, but what about all the other partners? There there were, um, I've forgotten, no, six other countries that were part of the Iranian deal, and so there have been investments made, there have been companies moving in there. Do you think that it weakens or does it make it less does it have any impact on our decision whether we should withdraw from the deal, given that other countries were involved in the deal and they're apparently going to stay in? Well, look, the Russians and Chinese view the Iranians as clients. That's a good so, point. Of course, they're going, they're going to stay in no matter what. The Europeans would like to be able to do business with people. Um, they, they have a notorious history of uh, accommodating and trying to appease people who are determined to destroy them. It generally doesn't work out very well as a policy approach, I have to say. But I think what the president can say is, look, if you do not 
wish to join us in returning to a sensible policy in terms of dealing with a dangerous adversary that is becoming, frankly, more dangerous by the day, so be it. Do business with them. But you cannot do business with us as well. Give them a choice. Is that likely to be messy and uncomfortable and spark lots of protests and criticisms? Of course. But this isn't Tinker Toys. This is the life and death of the American people, I'm afraid, because in due course, it's a matter of time. I fear not much longer, especially when you think about, as I know you do, Debbie, the fact that the Iranians are developing nuclear weapons in conjunction with what North Korea is doing. The North Koreans already have the H-bomb. It is assuredly the case that they're going to make that technology available to their Iranian allies, as they have ballistic missiles, by the way. So this is, this is not very far off, that the Iranians will be able to act on what they have said endlessly since 1979, which is death to America. Death to America, yeah. Yeah. You know, you. I've learned, and if you're just tuning in, speaking with Frank Gaff from Center for Security Policy, I wanted to make a plug for your website, Center for securitypolicy.org and I that is just a just it's impossible to describe how full how uh, informing it is how you can dive in and just read about lots of things like this and I learned from you years ago when we first started working with you a little bit um, about how Iran is the number one terror exporter in the world. I mean, there are many bad players out there, and they're related one way or another to Islam, or they're segments of Islam, or, um, but Iran is the number one exporter of terrorism, and so we not only have agreed that this already aggressive power can uh, apparently develop nuclear weapons because they now have gotten the uh, International Atomic Energy uh, Agency to... Uh, stand down they can't inspect what they're what they're doing so developing weapons and their next port of terror and we're sitting back it just struck me when you were talking it's it's just an astonishing thing if there's any degree of political correctness involved in the calculation about whether or not to certify that's crazy we're talking about real life and death really iran the number one terror export in the world access nuclear weapons and uh, just, you know, and have had since time began, as you just said, a death to America attitude and to have any degree of political correctness weigh into the calculation of not wanting to offend or not, not wanting to paint too broad a brush about Islam. It is, it is the mo- is the fool's calculation uh, on steroids. I, I can't even, I don't know if you want to comment on that, but just, it's mind blowing. We've been even talking about whether there's any kind of political correctness calculation in this whole assessment. Yeah. Well, look, you do have um, people who are considered in Washington to be the smart people who are insisting uh, that we anything that uh, comes about as a result of an international uh, uh, negotiations or uh, an accord of some kind um, has to be honored indefinitely even when it is manifestly not in the national interest of the United States. And I'm a bit heartened that President Trump, as in so many other areas, uh, thinks rather differently. And indeed, going back to what we talked about earlier, as you said, Debbie, I think that's why he's president of the United States. Whether it's, you know, the Sharia supremacist problem writ large, or whether it's uh, the Iran deal specifically, or other examples that one could think of, you know, uh, fighting, uh, you know, fecklessly in places like Afghanistan or Syria or um, other parts of the world. You know, the American people said we really do want a course correction. I think Donald Trump 
promised a course correction on the Iran deal. And if he serves up what his insubordinates are encouraging him to do, um, namely this half a loaf or half a baby, um, I think the base will be furious with him. And I, I pray that he will not make that mistake. Me too. Okay, we only have about a couple of minutes left here. And I want to mention something to our listeners again. If you go to org, all these links are up. One of the most important articles I read in the last few weeks, or last couple of days, is one that's posted there called Muslim Brotherhood Political Infiltration on Steroids. And the quick summary of it is there has been, and we've talked about in this show many times, there's a concept within Islam leaving entirely aside military victory and conquest, a con- um, concept called civilization jihad, in which the basic notion is that instead of military defeat, they bring the jihad to America, bring the destruction of America through just invading our civilization. And, you know, we only have like a minute left here, but I want to urge people, go to the website and just read, read the number of examples of people who are running for office, in office, all their affiliations to terror organizations. And, you know, I just, I mean, Frank, I don't even have time to go through them with you because we're going to be out of time here, but, you know, do you hear any, do you have any sense that within the military or within the Trump administration, is there awareness that this civilization jihad thing exists? I fear that if there is, uh, it is uh, very much in scarce supply. And that's in part because something else that H.R. McMaster did was fire people like Rich Higgins yes, um, from his National Security Council staff who do understand this. Uh, Debbie, let me just commend one other thing to your listeners. In addition to our site, which is easier to remember, it's securefreedom.org. Uh, the investigative project on terrorism has a very important piece on the site uh, today about a study by Rachel Bryson, which talks about the extent to which in Britain uh, they're watching the so-called Nonviolent Islamists turning into jihadists. That's what I worry about most about the Muslim Brotherhood. They are incubating, they are building infrastructure to develop, recruit, train, and send forth the next generation of jihadists. Uh, this has to be stopped. I think the president gets it, but not so much his personnel. Frank Gaffney cannot thank you enough. Great talking with you. Thank you so much for calling in tonight, folks.